A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds, and while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 93 of Confessions of a Marketer, the indispensable brand. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Mitch Duckler is here to chat about his new book called The Indispensable Brand. We've got an interesting chat about the book and differentiating your brand. We will have that chat in just a moment. Soon we'll have Christina Mallon of the Wonderman Thompson Inclusivity Design Practice. We'll talk about that and the work they did for Tommy Adaptive. A fascinating discussion coming soon. And in the weeks to come, we'll have Steve Randazzo on experiences, David Lemley on retail voodoo, and David C. Baker on using a wide collection of interests and experiences to build an agency. We have a great lineup of podcasts on Podco Media Networks. Of course, there's this one, plus the Innovation Podcast, and a few others. You can head over to podcomedia.com to listen and subscribe to all the pods we have now. Plus, we have a number of other business-focused podcasts coming up in the next few months. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you've fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, You may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot org. Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. Okay, on to Mitch Duckler. We'll chat about the premise of his book, that brands are very much copycats these days, what's lost in the effort to measure everything, the value of brand equity, and then the keys to standing out in this crazy world. It's fairly simple. What, how, why, and who? Let's get to it. Mitch, welcome to Confessions of a Marketer. It's great to have you here. It's great to be with you. You have a new book, The Indispensable Brand, Move from Invisible to Invaluable. Can you tell me about it and share the key thesis? Sure. The the key thesis or the the key premise is that brands, in my opinion, and really bared out by research, have become increasingly uh, indistinguishable from one another, especially in the last 15 to 20 years. I think uh, there's a lot of factors that have driven that. Digital activation, especially without 
underlying strategy and, and being tied very closely to brand strategy is a big part of that. But uh, as I mentioned before, research has really shown that consumers are increasingly unwilling to endorse any given brand within any given category is different from all others. I think the uh, the percentage is less than 20%. So even when consumers say a brand is one of their favorites, they're increasingly unwilling to endorse it as being different from all others. Yeah. It is an era of sameness, isn't it? It, it really is. Yes. And I, I often talk to clients, I say, if we were to take your product, right, your product package and remove the name from it, remove your brand name, but keep everything else in place, would customers be able to recognize it and identify it as your brand? And I think surprisingly, in many cases, the answer is no. Right. And I think that's just one symptom of, um, as you say, sameness or what I call brand monotony. Yeah. You know where I noticed this is when you travel. Yeah. And back in the old days, you'd turn on the TV and say, oh, I'm in Seattle. I want to watch the local news here because it's got a good reputation and it's different than what I watch in the Boston area. But newscasts and TV stations and TV in general is the same everywhere now. Yeah, it, it, it is. I think that's a good analogy and, and manifestation of exactly what we're talking about. There's just is in virtually every business, every industry, vertical, every category, there's increased competition yeah. and it's becoming more and more difficult for any one brand to stand out is different. And yet that's something that we need to address and, and overcome as marketers. Yeah. So I look at it like this, the brands are experiences and experiences are brands. So thinking of it in that way, what's the secret to success in both? Yeah, that's a great point. The um, I believe that brands and experience, customer experience need to be inextricably linked and yeah. and very often they're not so very much like when you think about advertising you know marketers are very diligent about ensuring that their communication and the advertising that they put on air reflects their positioning right at least good ones do yeah. <laughs> and yet i don't think that same i don't think that same discipline applies to brand experience i think very often marketers for some reason resort to the voice of the customer almost too religiously, right? And they, mm -hmm. they do so without the lens of their brand. So in other words, they believe that there is an ideal experience. For any given touch point, customers want a certain experience associated with that touch point. And that's really shouldn't be the way they look at it. They should look at delivering experience that is inspired by and consistent with their brand. So uh, by definition, experiences should be very different based on the brand in question. And, and I really don't think that's the case. I think that marketers very often are chasing a uniform experience, which is just exacerbating the, the issue of brand monotony. Yeah. And often in my experience, when it comes time to create a website or any kind of experience that your customers have, the reflex for a lot of companies is to say, well, what's our competitor doing? And exactly. That can inform your decisions, but it shouldn't overwhelm your decisions. Couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. The, you know, the, the premise here is, uh, again, you can never go wrong when you lead with your brand positioning, assuming you have a very solid brand positioning. And that that is not the case. I think there is a lot of I think what you're referring to is really copycat or imitation. And I believe some of that is 
a offshoot of the digital era. And, and I by no means I'm trying to imply that digital, the internet, digital marketing, digital activation is a bad thing. In fact, quite the opposite. I think digital activation has the potential to be the most game-changing thing that has happened to brands uh, really since the dawn of brand management. But only if marketers are very disciplined in the way they apply it. And I, and I fear what has happened is that with an overwhelming array of different technologies and platforms, right, it's Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn coming at us all so quickly, marketers are, are overwhelmed, right? And how do you learn, how do you learn best practices, so-called best practices of, of a new platform and master them to your advantage? It, it's very difficult to do. It's intimidating and I think what happens is exactly what you were referring to, copycat. Well, um, our competitors are doing it, so it must be right. Let's do it as well. And again, when this happens time and time again, what we see is brand monotony. Yeah, and there's no proof that what your competitor is doing is successful. They may be looking at what you're doing, yes. <laughs> thinking, oh, they're doing it that way. We should do it that way. You know, it, it's, it's just a kind of flawed reasoning, I think. It really is. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that there are and again, not to portray digital activation as the enemy of brand, because again, I, I really do want to underscore, I think digital can be the greatest thing that has ever happened to brands. But what has happened in reality is, again, as we we're talking about the copycat mentality, and also I believe a mentality to prioritize what we can measure, right? And right. through digital, what we can measure are things like clicks and shares and transactions. And they tend to be the shorter term implications, if you will, of brand management. So we're very focused on things that, that we can measure and that are very tangible. And I think what is being lost in this discussion are the longer term, more intangible aspects of brand, like brand equity. And are the things that we're doing actually building brands for the long term and reinforcing the very positive brand equity that should be reflected through our positioning. And I think very often the case is no. Again, we're either copycatting others that are right. our good practices or not, or we're just too short-term, narrowly focused on transactions. And both are to the detriment of brands. Okay, so we're in this era of sameness. So how can a brand stand out and differentiate itself in this crazy, noisy, crowded world? Yeah, it's a good question. So the, and I talk about this at great extent in the book, um, there's an entire chapter about brand positioning. And one of the premises of that chapter is I, I think that we as marketers need to think about differentiation differently, namely more broadly. In the old days of brand management, conventional wisdom said that you need to position your brand around a benefit yeah. or in other words, a what, what is it that the brand does for you? What benefit does it provide? What utility does it yield? And I think that is one way to differentiate and certainly a very powerful way. But the problem with that is very often it's inherently not differentiating, right? We very often use a product or a service category for one universal reason. So almost by definition, if you're trying to differentiate on that basis, it, you're going to look like everybody else. For example, if the automobile industry were to differentiate solely on end benefit, which is basically get me from point A to point B, right? We're not going to have much differentiation. Yeah. So what do you do about that? You look at other aspects of the total equation and say, how else can we be different? And the way I talk about it in the book, and I think it's a fairly simple way to understand this is the four, uh, is four basic 
journalist questions. What, how, why, and who, yeah. right? So we just talked about the what, that's the benefit, right? If that's not differentiating about your offering, maybe it's the how, right? So let's continue with the auto industry. Uh, Tesla doesn't just say, we'll get you from point A to point B. They have a very differentiated how, right? Yeah. It's certainly with, with electric cars, they're going to get you from point A to point B in a very different way, in a very uh, differentiating manner. Another is why, right? And there's been a lot of talk, I'm sure you're familiar with it, Mark, around purpose branding. Yeah, we've talked about it on, on the pod. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure for good reason. And, you know, Simon Sinek uh, in his start with the why, I think is a great example of that. You know, importantly here, though, what we're not talking about is a mission. We're not talking, and certainly not a mission statement. We're not talking about a corporate social responsibility campaign. Uh, those are all well and good, and most companies have them. But it's one thing to have a CSR campaign or a mission statement. It's another to define your entire brand around your purpose yeah. or why, which I think some brands are doing very, very well to their benefit. Uh, Patagonia is is a great example, I believe, of a why brand. Right? They have great products. Yeah. They, they, you know, they truly do. But people buy the, those products because of what that company stands for, right? And the great products are just a buy a byproduct of of that. So, so a why is another reason or another potential source of differentiation. And then the final one to talk about is who. I think there are a lot of brands that position themselves around a persona, uh, a very strong persona. Maybe it's the founder, as is the case with Virgin, right? And, and Richard Branson. Other brands that I kind of put in that who category are Mountain Dew, right? If you think about, when you think about Mountain Dew, you conjure in your mind an image of their user, Right. It's young, male, very active, energetic, X game, probably uh, video gamers. Right. You get a certain lifestyle picture in your mind. And because that brand, even though it is a soft drink brand, right, it, it's, it's really defined very much by a persona, uh, a persona that really reflects their user base. So you, you get a picture, right? There are a lot of different ways to think about differentiation. It's not just about the what. It's not just about the benefit, especially if that benefit is universal or an anti. But think about all these other aspects and what is it about your brand that is truly differentiating? And you're going to have all four, right? Any good brand will have a what, a how, a why, and a who. But which of those four really represents your point of difference? And that's really the key here. It's interesting, your discussion of persona just a moment ago. Mm -hmm. And typically we think of personas as defining the customer and bringing up Virgin. Yep. The persona that's most important in Virgin is Richard Branson. And that's almost like a, an aspirational persona for the customers to live his carefree, adventurous lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And, th and that's why I mentioned the, the, the who can really be, it's a persona, but it can be a persona based on a number of different factors, right? right? It could be, as in the case of Virgin, the founder, right? And, and that, that persona is personified, right? Yeah, Through Richard yeah. Branson. It could be your users, right? A lifestyle brand very often that the persona is the user themselves, or it could be an aspirational, right? Something that you're aspiring to, a persona that is highly sought after and desired and, and um, aspirational. Uh, and they're all very valid, right? But they are kind of similar in that they're defining differentiation based on a, on a personality or a persona, whether it's the actual user or uh, the, the founder or something that's entirely aspirational. Yeah. And I, I could think of others like Oprah or Martha yeah. Stewart, that cult of personality 
that defines a brand and that customers aspire to be like or at least feel like? Yeah, absolutely. I think Warby Parker is a brand that I also use an example of a who, right? I think that they are very much, yes, they have great products too, and they certainly have uh, distinctive design. But I think people buy that brand because they want to be identified by it, right? They, it's almost somewhat self-expressive, right? When you think about Warby Parker, you think about somebody who is young, relatively younger, hip, you know, urban, has a sense of style about them, a certain intelligence. And, and there's, uh, again, that's not the founder, right? That's really a persona that's based on the target user, and people buy that brand because they can kind of relate to that persona and they, and, and they aspire to it or they believe it reflects who they are, right? right? Self-expressive. All right. Next time, Mitch and I continue our chat and cover the five key components of brand strategy, brand positioning, brand portfolio strategy, brand experiences, brand extension, and brand story. So stay with us. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, Inc., and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time.